the Gospel of John, the 19th chapter, which is the chapter that speaks about Christ's death. I'm going to read only bits and pieces here. If, if this is new to you, I recommend that you find a Bible and read it in its whole setting to understand more what we're talking about here. But I'm reading just the highlights that speak about Jesus as he is physically ago, the Institute of Medicine released a report that said that 116 million Americans suffer from chronic pain. 116 million drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. They cannot find anything medically wrong. They cannot test, they cannot find a test yet that shows why someone is hurting. I am among that group of people. About 10 years ago, I received a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. It is a syndrome of chronic pain, chronic fatigue, and weird stuff going on in your head. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick to my manuscript, therefore, pretty closely. You never know. Fibromyalgia is not fatal. I will not die of it but neither will it get any better. There is no cure yet, humanly speaking. I can only learn to live with it. So for a couple of years now, I've been thinking, what does it mean to be part of the body of Christ, to be in a church with pain? Can I be a Christian and have pain? Am I allowed to be part of the church? and have pain. Now, many of you will probably in your head already have commented, well, of course, of course you, you can be a Christian and have pain. Let me explain a little bit where I'm coming from. 
I have suffered from depression for many years. And whenever I would share that with people, they would say, oh, we will pray for you. Much appreciated and much needed. But the next week, we would see each other and they ask, Anne, are you better? How's it going? Mm, no, it doesn't quite work like that, at least not all the time. It has worked sometimes like that. And some of these reactions gave me the feeling that you're okay again in the church when you're all done with your pain and your depression. Then you're part of us again. Now let me expand the idea of pain a little. <clears throat> Besides chronic pain, there are of course people who have occasional pain. And then there is emotional pain. Except for maybe the very youngest among us, everyone has been hurt at one point or another in their lives. And this kind of pain may be the human force that most forms who we are and how we react in life. It is in, in reaction to hurt and in anticipation of it that, that we are shaped. Some people, for instance, will shield themselves from it and will hide. Other people lash out immediately. I'm hurt. There, you're hurt. There are people who are on the defensive all the time, just in case. And then there are people who, for some reason, in their upbringing, their family of origin, their, their personality, have absorbed a message that they deserve pain. And therefore, they kind of go around life expecting it. Unfortunately, this is the reality of human life. This is the reality after sin entered the world. It is a broken world with broken people. And that is true for us as a community of Christ as well. We are a community of broken and hurting people. No matter how much some of us may look like we have it together, or how we don't speak about our hurts or don't act like it, we have all been hurt at one time or another. Now this means that in the church we have a number of areas of tension. Here's the first tension. Once you have accepted Jesus Christ in your life, everything's going to be all right, right? On the one hand, that is true. Everything will be all right. And some things are totally made right by Jesus. And yet there are other things that are just not right yet. We believe in the power of God of changing us. And yet there are some times and places where that has not yet happened. The second tension is our belief in the power of the Holy Spirit to make us holy, to sanctify us, to lead a life that is worthy of Christ, that looks like Christ, a life in love, in wholeness, in service, in grace. 
So if we have come to the point where we have surrendered everything to God and have accepted the fullness of the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, we can't very well come along with some problems, can we? The third tension is God's promise of healing. We pray for healing. Even today, we will have an opportunity to be prayed over, to be anointed for healing. We believe that God is powerful to heal, even to recreate, to create anew, or even to raise from the dead new life. And yet that healing doesn't always happen, at least not in the way that we expected and at the time that we would like it. And lastly, there is a tension in the different ways people react to pain and deal with it. You, you could say it's a spectrum. On the one hand, there are people who are probably raised in a family that's a stiff upper lip. Never give up, never give in, and don't show anything. On the other end of the spectrum, there might be people who, in, in, in the way they were formed, have found out that when they have pain and trouble and they share that, they get attention from people. And they've become to depend on that kind of attention. Most of us are probably somewhere in between. All of these tensions are, these tensions and, and the way we deal with pain and how, how that forms us, are things that we can grow in. For none of you, the way you are right now, is that the last word? We can grow in that. We can learn to do it in more healthy ways. And thank God for therapists who can help us with that. But here in the church, we are not each other's therapists. We are each other's brother and sister. We are asked not to fix each other like that, but to love each other and pray for each other insistently and long term. So how, how, how do we deal with this? The passage I read clearly says that if one member suffers, the whole body suffers. Now, Paul was thinking of all Christians as one body of Christ, but I think it also applies to the local body of Christ. How do we do that? What does it mean to bear each other's burdens? That Paul speaks about in Galatians, and we even sung about it. I don't know. I don't know how we should do this. I have no recipe. I have no roadmap or a plan. The only thing is that I hope that by preaching about it, it is now out in the open, and we can start a conversation. We can refer to this and say, you remember when that was brought up? Here's what I think. Or here's how I need to change. Or here's how, how I would like to do things differently. All I know is that when people ask me, how are you doing? And they really seem to want to know. When I share, often the eyes glaze over and I think, oh yeah, you don't really want to know. There is a time and a place for sharing things that hurt us for our pain. It is as if there are times where God opens 
a sliding door and there is this this receptivity this place of honesty and of trust where I can speak and you are there and you can really hear me and understand me. This is most often not right in church, usually not when we pass the peace. Very sometimes it is after church or during Sunday school or after Sunday school. But actually most often it happens at those other times when we are together. Prayer groups, accountability groups, the healing choir, sharing a coffee together or a meal, meeting up at the Y, helping someone, helping the church with chores, taking someone for a ride to the doctor, taking care of each other's children, dropping off teens at Teen Extreme, going for a bike ride together. Those are times of connection, what the Bible calls koinonia, communion, or joint participation. That's when we share our life together and when we learn how to take care of each other. Now, there are some gems that come out of these tensions. And the first one is this. In order to bear one another's burdens, we need to be the church between Sundays. Only when we grow together by getting to know one another, learning to trust one another, then there are only then are there opportunities for those sliding doors, moments of openness where we can really hear each other and understand each other. The second gem is paying attention to God's grace. For a number of years now at Bethel, we have the practice of praying for healing and anointing every fourth Sunday of the month. Every time I've been present in those services, I have gone forward and I have been prayed over and and been anointed. I am not yet healed of fibromyalgia. But I have received an abundant amount of grace from God. Grace to deal with my limitations. Grace to do my work in spite of it. Grace even that I may know him and may have this hope of eternal life and a wonderful body and mind without any problems after the resurrection. It is God's grace that flows so freely that helps us deal with each other, that helps us to be patient with each other and loving as we bear one another's burdens. God's grace is endless, limitless, boundless. It flows and it flows and it keeps on flowing until we are full and we overflow. And God's grace flows to the people around us, to the wounded people in the world. It is living water for a thirsty world. The third gem is a, is a word image in three parts. Here's the first part. When Christ lived on earth, he was physically hurt. He was physically in pain. As we read, he was flogged, struck, nailed on a cross, and pierced. 
And we can only imagine the kind of emotional or spiritual pain he must have felt when he, as the Son of God, was betrayed, ridiculed, misunderstood, taken advantage of for what he gave, healing, bread. He was challenged. He was tormented. And he was called names. Jesus knows what it is like to hurt. Isaiah 53 says that it is exactly by his wounds that we are healed. The body of Christ, broken for you, broken for the world. Here's the second image. Before Jesus was betrayed, he instituted the Last Supper, Communion, Eucharist. The bread, the body of Christ, given for you. The cup, the blood of Christ, shed for you. Every time the Eucharist is celebrated all over the world and in all the churches, we remember the death of Christ, the body of Christ, broken for you and for the world. Now here's the third one, the third part of that word picture. Could it be that we, also the body of Christ, broken and wounded like we are, in some mysterious way are also wounded for someone else? Jesus said in John 13, verse 34, that the world will see that we are God's children when we love one another. And the world will see that love in the care we have for each other when we hurt, when we carry each other's burdens. Are we not then the broken body of Christ when we love one another by God's grace? And literally only by God's grace because really, let's be honest, we don't have it in ourselves to love each other like that. Certainly not with so much patience and hanging in there with each other. That is by God's grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do that for the whole world to see. Is that not the mercy that we sang about? The mercy that God requires for the wounded world that does not know him yet? To be hospitable as a church. It's been our theme, to be a hospitable and a safe place. To be a place of comfort, of recognition, where you can be yourself while God is still in the, in the process of transforming you. A place of eternal life and of grace. Exactly because we already have learned or will have learned to be that for each other. That's why we can be that for others. And this is so not because we are any better or we have it all figured out or because we are past our pains and our sorrows. No, this is so because we will have learned to be compassionate, come with passion, suffering. We will have learned to suffer with each other. Just as Christ has suffered for us and is therefore our helper and our advocate, so he enables us to be Christ to each other 
and to be a helper and an advocate for those with us who suffer. If we learn, if we can truly learn to deal with each other in grace, lovingly and patiently, then we can offer ourselves to a wounded, hungry, lonely world. The body of Christ for you, broken for you, and for the world. This is the good news of Jesus Christ.